Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Neil Garfield Show, a presentation sponsored by the Living Lies blog, GTC Honors, LendingLies.com, and The Garfield Firm. Servicing all 50 states and 24 countries with news and analysis about the largest economic crime in human history. This program is for general information only and should not be used as a substitute for legal advice or consultation with a licensed professional. This show is not intended as a solicitation for the engagement of any services. And now, presenting world-renowned author, trial lawyer, CLE lecturer, and court-approved expert witness on securitization of debt, Neil Garfield. Hi, this is Neil Garfield, and this is Thursday, March 19, 2020. And we are all at the beginning of an epidemic. The thing about a once-in-a-century epidemic like this is that one thing we know for sure is that we don't know anything for sure. As usual, information has been scarce, and only highly placed government officials and scientists are in possession of the real data, the analysis, and the projections. What we do know is that more and more local governments and businesses are leading the way to contain the spread of the coronavirus. Among those steps have been suggestions or enforcement of social distancing, closing malls, bars, restaurants, cruises, flights, and various forms of moratoriums on evictions, foreclosure filings, and other legal proceedings. It's not a matter of politics or any perceptions of overreaction, because whatever the reaction is, it's happening. I'm broadcasting live from Duval County, Florida. Since I'm not an expert in healthcare, I can only review and report what I've read just like you. The information concerning foreclosure filings and foreclosure proceedings and foreclosure judgments and sales and evictions is changing daily. All of it seems to point to at least a 60-day moratorium on evictions, uh, which is the process of a sheriff actually going and forcing somebody out of their home. It may also extend to the filing of new, fork, uh, of, of new foreclosure judgments. Judges may be reluctant to enter them. And it may even extend to foreclosure pleadings, like no foreclosure lawsuits, no new uh, notice of sale, that kind of thing. The announcement from the Department of Housing and Urban Development that it is ordering a moratorium on foreclosures for 60 days is closely parallel to the actions of what has already been announced by law enforcement, local governments, courthouses uh, across the country, and in fact the world. As to the HUD announcement, though, you might not be affected unless Fannie and Freddie is known to be involved in your mortgage as an owner of your debt. 
or as a master trustee of a trust that supposedly owns your debt. They don't, but that's not the point here. If they are, if Fannie and Freddie are, are only guarantors, I don't know if the order for the moratorium would have any effect on a foreclosure in which the servicer wants to continue processing it. But that's where the local courthouse and uh, uh, local bar may have an effect because even if the servicer wants to proceed, there may not be a judge around willing to do it and there may not be the facilities uh, uh, to allow the proceedings to continue, namely, uh, I mean, while we can file electronically in many jurisdictions, not all, uh, can't appear in court because the government has said you can't appear in court. Uh, they're, uh, uh, they may not have said that directly, but local courts are basically saying that. And the government rule is no gatherings larger than, depends upon what jurisdiction you're in, 10, 50, 100, whatever it is. So uh, I'm not saying I know anything that you don't. But I am commenting from a perspective of understanding securitization, and I'm speculating that the banks are going to apply maximum pressure when they think they can get away with it to restart foreclosures or to get around any orders for a moratorium. And they're probably not going to do that for a while because they, they don't want that PR. But whenever it is that they decide they can get away with it, that's when I think they're going to go full bore ahead. And I think uh, the system is probably going to let them. Besides giving the obvious relief to many homeowners facing disposition from their dispossessions from their home, uh, this, this time period provides homeowners with a unique period of time in which they can prepare to confront the participants who are pursuing schemes of what I have dubbed illegal foreclosures, mostly because they are mostly illegal um, and unethical and not compliant with concepts of equity as those concepts have been um, pronounced in court precedent. This window of opportunity will not last forever, even though there are projections that say that the epidemic may last until we have a serum that will inoculate at least 40 to 70% of the population from further damage. Um, I don't know anything about those projections. I just know that they have been stated and that the projected time of arrival for that serum is a minimum of 12 months, possibly up to 18 months, although there are certain drugs 
that are being tested that might have a beneficial effect on the symptoms if somebody gets sick with coronavirus. My opinion is that while I believe all foreclosures should be shut down for all time, I don't believe, based upon decades of experience, that foreclosures on mortgages, tax liens, etc., will be stalled until the corona threat is deemed to be not a threat anymore. While courthouses are closing down or restricting access and services, court administrators, law enforcement, and law offices are getting together with third-party vendors to enable court process to resume and continue in a virtual space using computers. It is now possible with vendors like Veritech.com to conduct a remote deposition from the safety of a home office in which the witness is somewhere else and at the same time get an accurately reported court transcript that's certified. That type of technology is what is likely to get used and is already in use in some jurisdictions in making court appearances. So remember, though, that, for example, with the remote deposition, it may be it, it makes it easier for a homeowner or a homeowner's attorney to reach out and conduct depositions that might otherwise have never occurred because they would involve travel and various expenses other than the court reporter. Opposing counsel will obviously, and always does, object to any subpoena for deposition that you issue. But if you persist and your subpoena is reasonably based to the issues in the case, you will most likely be able to force the appearance of a witness in a virtual deposition. So don't get too complacent about the moratorium since it will probably not last nearly as long as the current emergency. When things start up again, you might still be self-isolating at home and you might be expected to either have a computer and have adequate bandwidth or to get it. Those of you who have attorneys may be fast-tracked because the lawyers probably already have and the ones that don't can probably be forced to have access to connectivity to a system supported by the courthouse. Don't assume that you're no longer going to have to defend your house from foreclosure just because you heard about a moratorium. You should assume that the fight will resume shortly. My opinion, it will. I don't know if that means two weeks or two months, but shortly, and that time will go quickly. Failure to do that will put you in a worse position than you're, you're already in. So if you've been served with foreclosure papers, you should be con taking this time to consider your options and among those options should be whether you're going to contest the foreclosure or not. There's good reason to contest 
almost any foreclosure, with or without the existence of the coronavirus. Nearly all residential mortgage loans in both judicial and non-judicial states are subject to various claims of securitization. In virtually all cases where a loan is subject to any claim of securitization, the scheme employed by the investment banks is not actually recognized by law, nor should it be. They're merely seeking profit. They are not seeking restitution for an unpaid debt because they've already sold the debt many times over. For more information on that, you can just listen to our other broadcasts on the Neil Garfield Show or the Living Lies blog or obtain services from LendingLies.com. There are dozens of strategies that I have promoted and that dozens of other lawyers have promoted and used successfully in court. Let me be clear. By successfully, I mean the homeowner won the case. Most homeowners think that's impossible. But of the homeowners who do think that it's possible, and of those who actually spend the time, money, and energy to do it, about two-thirds of them do win, or they receive a settlement that they can't refuse on the courthouse steps. So if you've got equity in your home and you want to preserve your credit history, you should at least consider the possibility of contesting any effort to make any collection or perform any administration or invoke any enforcement of your debt, note, or mortgage. As a side note, I'm... I'm I've just decided as a result of a number of inquiries I've been receiving from people from all walks of life and in all sorts of businesses, I'm going to present a seminar ahead of the foreclosure defense webinars in the future and might be May 1st or even earlier on the issue of how to work from home and I will specifically address the issue of contesting a foreclosure during a pandemic. There are a lot of issues there and far too many to address in, in any detail uh, in, uh, in 28 minutes of talk time on a radio show. Most people are not like me. I've been working from a home office for 20 years. I have gone to offices for meetings, but nearly all my work has been conducted either from my home office or in court. My concern is that both lawyers and pro se litigants may be thrown off balance in the process of learning the technical requirements of appearing in a virtual courtroom. That experience is going to seem strange at first, which means and for, for pro se litigants and homeowners, it seems strange all the time. Making it virtual is going to make it seem even stranger. The strangeness means that even a good lawyer might lose their stride in argument to the court. 
good trial lawyers, you know, try to get up a rhythm and uh, uh, in, in order to present a credible, persuasive argument. They're always looking for micro expressions and they have a general feel for what's going on in the courtroom when everyone is physically present. Those features of trial practice will be completely absent in a virtual courtroom. So getting your bearings in the virtual courtroom is going to require some skills. And frankly, I uh, have not done much of that and so I'm learning it now uh, so that I can present some helpful information to lawyers and pro se litigants. Remember that the banks and services have an extra incentive to pursue foreclosure to conclusion. By conclusion, I mean eventual sale of the property to a third-party purchaser for value because their objective is profit and not simply getting the house in order to sell it and use the proceeds to repay somebody who paid value for your obligation, somebody who is claiming financial damage that supposedly results from your alleged non-performance under the apparent loan contract. It's not going for that. It's going for profit. I will remind the listeners that without a lawyer, you are likely to be a victim in court. Just filing a complaint is not the be-all and end-all of anything. Whatever complaint you file is going to be opposed by the other side. If you don't know how to deal with that opposition, you lose. doesn't make any difference how right you are. It's a rare circumstance where a homeowner, without any knowledge of the rules of civil procedure and so forth, prevails. I'm not saying it never happened. It, it has happened, and it's happened in the foreclosure arena. It's happened a couple of thousand times. But for the most part, the wins have been with the direct help or actual representation of license, uh, attorneys who are licensed in your jurisdiction. So get the lawyer. If you don't know the rules of civil procedure, local court procedural rules, and the laws of evidence, and the actual elements of various claims and defenses, you may be right, but you'll still lose. So get a lawyer, and the more experience the lawyer has in representing clients in court, the better. That means getting somebody who has conducted trials in, the, in, in what we call the first seat, the lead attorney. So, you know, like I've conducted, best guess, 2,000 trials uh, and final hearings in administrative courts, civil courts, criminal courts, uh, jury, non-jury, hearing officer, whatever. In doing, you know, many of them, you know, by the time I got to the 10th trial, I was a lot better than my first. By the time I got to the 100th, 
I was a lot better than the tenth. And by the time I got to the first thousand of them, I was a lot better than the, than what I was doing when I had done a hundred, and so on. So uh, uh, I'm not saying that uh, a lawyer with limited experience can't do you any good. That's not true. But uh, the more they do know and the more savvy they are about strategy and tactics in court, the higher your chance of victory uh, in in defending your house. And uh, as I've mentioned before, about two-thirds of the people who actually spend the time, money, and energy and persist to the end, two-thirds of them uh, win their cases. By my observation, uh, I haven't taken a scientific survey. So don't take anything I say in this broadcast as a substitute for actual advice and counsel from a legal professional uh, who is licensed in your jurisdiction and has analyzed the specifics of your case. Despite the similarity between all these cases involving securitization of debt, each case does have some differences from other cases. And sometimes those differences don't matter at all. But many times they do matter in terms of the focus of litigation. And that's important because remember that the courts are required to give you an opportunity to be heard. But they are not required to hear everything that you want to say. You have to narrow the focus of your defense to those issues on which you're most likely to gain traction. And that means just two or three. If you try to throw 30 issues or even 10 at a judge, you lose credibility and you lose the attention of the judge, the human beings. So if you're getting started, if you decided that you're going to defend your property and you're getting started, make sure you have the facts. That starts with collecting all the documents that are related to your loan, starting with the, uh, the date of origination and even before that, with the application process and so forth. If you don't have some of those documents, some of them might be retrieved by asking the appropriate parties. Others might be retrieved in formal discovery in court. Having the facts means that you have a current title search with copies of all recorded documents dating back to the time that you acquired the property or even dating back to the time that the previous owner acquired the property. Why that? Because I've seen multiple situations in which I'm virtually certain that there was no consideration to anybody in a refinancing where the common denominator investment banker was involved in the securitization of the prior loan and the new loan. That presents a whole other argument which has largely not been tested. You also need to be able to show copies of your loan origination documents and statements and notices or other correspondence you received. 
Then you need an analysis performed by somebody who's preferably licensed and who knows what they're talking about. There are unfortunately hundreds of people out there who are offering their services, mostly in good faith. They're not thieves. They're not charlatans. But in fact, they're not qualified to offer the services they're offering. They will give you reports with factual and legal conclusions about which they know very little, and more importantly, they're unable to defend when cross-examined. Once you have the analysis, then you are in a position to interview lawyers for prospective employment. If you don't have a concise statement of the analysis, strategies, or potential tactics from somebody who knows what they're doing, then you need to pay some prospective lawyer a lot of money to wade through the shoebox of whatever you've got and try to get, collect up the other information and data necessary to create and prepare a coherent defense. But your problem is probably bigger than that since the lawyer will probably refuse any engagement to perform what is mostly a clerical task. That's when you end up with no lawyer. So get the analysis, anything that summarizes a fact such that a prospective lawyer can skim the chronology and the parties and who starts viewing you as an organized client that won't take up all his time with irrelevant questions. So the bottom line is you can probably take a breath if you're in the middle of a foreclosure fight, whether it is in bankruptcy court, state court, or federal court, but don't hold your breath. The moratoriums will end. They might be extended before they end, but they will end. And if you want to save your house, your lifestyle, your equity, your credit reputation, then consider this time as you being given a, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to collect your information, consult experts, consult attorneys, and, and truly evaluate your options. While I often say that there is no wrong answer or right answer as to what to do in the face of an illegal foreclosure, I also say that one wrong thing you can do is to make a decision without having the necessary information. I'm reminding you that the epidemic is real. It's not fake news or anything that's being exaggerated. This is something that's never occurred in any of our lifetimes, unless you were somehow alive a little over 100 years ago with the Spanish flu. China, Japan, and other countries have proven beyond any reasonable doubt that coronavirus can be contained by social distancing, self-isolation, and self-quarantine. The last report I heard is that China, for the first time, has not had a single new case. It's the obligation of every person hearing my voice to protect themselves, their loved ones, and their community. Despite anything you have previously heard, this disease does not discriminate on the basis of age, or sex, or culture, or anything else. Obey the recommendations announced by government officials, and especially local government officials. Stay safe, and hopefully we'll be on next week 
at the usual time. Have a good night and good luck. The opinions expressed on The Neil Garfield Show are those of its hosts and should not be ascribed to any other persons or entities. For more information about Neil, the blog, or upcoming seminars, please visit livinglies.me. Give us a call at 954-451-1230 or send an email to n-e-i-l-f-g-a-r-f-i-e-l-d at hotmail.com. Thank you for listening to The Neil Garfield Show. If the information has helped you, consider making a donation by visiting livinglies.me.